Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees, a podcast where we profile B-movie genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Story Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. We're also a part of the Movie John Podcast Network. That's the Philadelphia John, J-A-W-N. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today... We are covering what we're calling the ladies of black exploitation, Marky Bay and Carol Speed. Yeah. Pretty excited. Yeah, I I mean Carol Speed is very cool and I'm excited we're doing her, but uh I like really like Marky Bay even though we've only seen her in like three movies yep, yep. uh, cuz she really actually neither of them have that big of a filmography, but uh, That's why she we're does not doubling up. Yep. Uh, so I thought this was a great excuse to talk about some like awesome women of black exploitation because I feel like we have when we have talked about black exploitation uh, besides Pam Greer, it's like a lot of like men that we have talked about. So yes, yeah, I you know uh, black exploitation is sort of famous for its men and its women, which is a cool thing about black exploitation. Yeah. Um, but we are getting a chance to talk about two women that are sort of. Not among the like quote unquote like I don't know like elites of black exploitation history or whatever you yeah, know yeah and I mean I feel like especially for women Pam Greer is one of like the people that really like you know took that and like rolled with it into like becoming an awesome genre actor and then you know also you know working with Tarantino and doing amazing uh, stuff like Jackie Brown so. I feel like maybe she's like an outlier for like uh, like specifically black women and black exploitation. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm just excited about this because when black exploitation has become like a favorite genre of yeah. mine. The more that I have seen, the more that I have enjoyed. And uh, I think it's just an exciting uh, thing where I don't know that I ever would have been interested in black exploitation were it not for, you know, getting into just like genre cinema at large and yeah. going to exhumed uh, events where they frequently screen black exploitation among other, you know, exploitation genres. And uh, yeah. I, I don't know that I would have sought it out myself if it weren't for just like the kind of movie fan that I have become. And so it's kind of cool and exciting. Yeah. And yeah. And especially like black exploitation being like, you know, a very, uh, you know, can be a very racist uh, yeah. exploitation genre. Yeah. So it's like always one that I like never thought I would like these movies. And then I have found like there's actually a lot of great reasons to like black exploitation movies. And maybe yes. that's not all of them, but there is a lot of like great performances, like crazy, like uh, just like low budget filmmaking, mm -hmm. like effects and things. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, we're going to get to talk about Rudy Ray Moore today. Like <laughs> yeah. this will bring us through a lot of like interesting corners and pockets yep. of uh, cinema. And uh, yeah, it, it's just like an exciting genre that I, I'm, I sort of, one of the things I like about our show is that I've gotten to watch like even more and dig even yeah. further into it. 
Yeah, and uh, we're joined by special guest, uh, Pod Dog Spock, uh, who can usually not sit with us because he cries all the time when we talk. And we're going to test the waters today. Yeah, we're going to see how this goes. being good. He's licking my foot. He's happy. Yep. You'll yep. recall from maybe like season one, he was here for like one episode <laughs> and couldn't even get through the whole couldn't episode. So he's never been allowed back in the studio, but today he's here. His and tongue's taken out of his now. mouth and huh. he's looking great. Yeah, you're a handsome boy. Yeah. Um, want to talk about some recent watches? I certainly do. I'm going to let you control this because I feel like for the most part, we've seen a lot of the same things recently and are probably on the same page. Yeah. Um, I think there's one thing that I watched that you didn't that I want to talk uh, Yeah. There's probably uh, a couple things you watched that I yeah. did not. That's why I'm letting you take control. Well, we've watched specifically a lot of like genre B movie stuff, uh, starting with Demon Seed. Oh my God. All right, I'm glad you want to talk about Demon Seed because I have read many varied reviews of this movie since watching it. It's wild. And I totally get people not enjoying this movie, giving it two stars. I think I even understand the criticism that it is maybe misogynist itself as a movie. Um, Oh, yeah, I mean, it for sure is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I gave this movie four stars because I thought it was one of the craziest fucking things I'd ever seen in my life, and I genuinely enjoyed it. It was very entertaining. It was crazy. And crazy. Like, one of the weirdest premises ever. I almost don't want to describe the movie for people because I literally think one of the wild things about it is, like, I don't know if you'd believe me if I told you what it was about. Yep. You know what I mean? Pretty wild. It's truly... One of the like one of the most disturbing premises for a movie I've ever seen, but executed in a way that is so interesting. It could be like fully camp cheese, but it's played like totally straight, yeah. even though it's got wild practical effects yeah. and just like totally crazy plot development. Like stuff that you shouldn't take seriously. Like the movie does take seriously. Like there are shots that and like like props and pieces. Yes. You're just like. Like, what? This yes. is funny, right? It's just like, no. No, it's like, it's not melodrama. It's not camp. Yeah. It's like, it's played totally straight. Yeah. It's a wild, wild. Ma- I, I, I mean, should we give people and the basic premise? I mean, the lead performance is so good. Oh, too. she's wonderful. It's, um, what's that actress's name? She's terrific in I'm this movie. I'm pulling it up right now. Is it Julie Christie? believe it is Julie Christie. Yeah. And she was also one of the stars of Don't Look Now. Yeah. Um, and also thought she was like incredible in that. So I was like yes. very excited to see another one of her movies. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, she's really great. She's terrific in this. Yeah. I mean, I so maybe I'll just read the, uh, the, the plot description here and that'll be enough for sure. our, uh, a scientist creates Proteus an organic supercomputer with artificial intelligence, which becomes obsessed with human beings and in particular, the creator's wife. And yeah. it is called Demon Seed. Seed. Yep. We'll let you guys play out your imagination on that one. I guarantee you, whatever you're imagining, somehow the movie is worse and crazier. Yep. Pretty wild. Yeah, truly wild stuff that I, I really enjoyed. But but kind of on the grounds of just like, I've never seen anything attempt yep. what this is doing. It's just nuts. Yeah. I think this might be a movie that... It was talked about in like one of the horror like academic books I read. It may have been House of Psychotic Women, oh, but uh, makes yeah, sense. it was. It's been on my watch list for a while because of that. Yeah. And then I was like, I, you mentioned you had also just heard about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I've wanted to watch this for a while. I, see, and I like had it on my watch list, but I couldn't remember why. And then I was listening to another podcast, and someone described the plot, and I was like, wait, that's what that fucking movie is about? Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Really wild. Yeah. 
Uh, speaking of wilds, uh, but wild new releases, we yes, yes. also also watched Glorious. Yes, by Dr. Rebecca McHenry. Yes, and it was great. Uh, I'm I got a screener from Shutter, and I am very excited that we got to watch it. Uh, Me too. Because, I mean, all, all I knew is that it was cosmic horror that takes place in like a dirty men's bathroom through a glory hole. Yes. <laughs> and it's about the, a haunted glory hole. Yeah, and the glory hole cosmic monster is voiced by J.K. Simmons. Yes. Like uh, Academy Award winning yes. actor J.K. Simmons. Yes. Plays a glory hole monster. And he's gr- terrific in it. He's great. He's yeah. amazing cuz his he's just doing he's just doing voiceover and it's his wonderful. Voice totally makes sense for what they want me to think yeah. about this thing. And I, I yeah, t- terrific. And mostly the movie you're you're just watching it like well, this is just fucking crazy yeah. and weird. Yeah. But then it ultimately does have this like really interesting look at just like uh, you know, a like problematic men and misogyny (laughs) and i was like oh wow this is also like actually about things there is a great reveal in the third act of this movie that i really thought made it very interesting and yeah i I know uh dr rebecca mckendry who i always refer to that way because um that's how they refer to her on screen drafts which is mostly where i know her from Mm -hmm. which is a podcast i enjoy um, but she is, a, a, you know, a terrific. I believe she's a teacher as well as an author. Mm, yeah. Um, I think this is her directorial debut. I think at least feature. She's very cool. I think it's her first feature. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy her on that podcast. And I can sort of, I can almost like imagine her describing this movie. You know, like mm-hmm. sort of pitching me on this movie. And it's very much her and her sense of humor. And then it really does have those like extra layers of sort of interest and intrigue in that that sort of like final reveal at the end, yeah. which is yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. Yes, I feel like so it's good. a great example of like uh, who she is as a personality coming through in her film, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and then this weekend we also watched Prey, which we sure did. Uh, we, that movie fucking rocked. Like it, it did fucking rock. You know what I was thinking about today, actually. This weekend, we watched two new releases that are about alien predators that come to Earth and terrorize a, a like small sort of group of people in in like a pocket of the, Didn't the American even West. Didn't think about how perfect that double feature was. Yeah. So we also saw Nope finally. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, I I loved Prey so much. And I love it even harder every time I hear a dumb guy on Twitter <laughs> make fun of this movie. I'm just oh, yeah, like I've been seeing some of that dumb discourse. Oh, there's so much dumb shit. Yeah. And every time I'm just like, oh, well, love it even harder. This movie's fucking incredible. It's yeah. really great. All of you guys are dumb uh-huh. and just love to reveal how dumb you are online. Yep. Um but we also watched it in the it's the Comanche uh, dub, dub, yes, yes, uh, which was really cool to just like hear this indigenous language mm-hmm. spoken throughout the film. Um, definitely There's recommend doing that. Even an interesting thing, because and I have no idea because we only watched the Comanche dub. Is that is that how you say that? Is it Comanche? I've always heard it as Comanche, but I, I it might be Comanche. I don't know. Um, we watched that dub, so we did not watch the English language version, which is how it was shot and stuff. I am curious if the French is translated in the English yeah, I don't version. Know. And it didn't really matter to me. It didn't matter to me, but I thought it was a really interesting part of the experience because if, you know, we're watching the Comanche dub and if we were the Comanche people that are experiencing this. And like didn't understand I don't what they think we saying. would understand their French, right? Yeah, so that's kind of what I was thinking about too. It's like we get to be totally inside of their experience, which yeah. is really, really cool. 
Yeah. Um, I, I was just curious if the American or the English version recreates that experience or not. You know yeah, what I mean? Because I, I thought know. that was a really interesting part of the experience. It didn't matter to me that I didn't know what they were saying. No. I understood enough about what they were doing through their actions and stuff that like all of it was communicated. And like I said, it sort of brings you into their experience, which is not knowing what's being said to them, only being able to understand yeah. their body language and, and what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, it was fucking great. This like is probably gonna be like in my top ten of movies this year. That's yeah. how much I loved it. Uh, but um, Amber, uh, what's it? Uh, Mid Thunder uh, oh, yes, is the, the lead, star, yeah. and she is just fucking incredible. Um, she gives such a great performance. Uh, of course, there's a very very good pup in it. That is her yes. her pup. Yes, good dog. Uh, very good dog, uh, which is always very exciting. Um, our dog, Spock, was very excited watching the movie because yeah, <laughs> the was dog like was so cute. Very involved in the movie because he was yep. really into the dog. It was like the most I've seen him just tune into yeah. a, an animal on TV. It was yeah, very Spock funny. is not terribly attentive to movies unless there's an animal on screen and only certain ones really yep. like keep him invested and... This one kept him invested. He was it. was in it. so cute. Yeah. I loved it. Um, but yeah, and then the next day we finally went to the theaters and saw Nope, which I also really fucking loved. Um, just think Jordan Peele is a very unique voice in the horror community and manages to always like tell horror stories about like horrifying things that I would never think of or like imagine i'm just like oh whoa okay this is weird as shit and i'm totally on board there's like a couple images in that movie that are just kind of burned in my brain it's like well, i didn't know to be scared of that but yep. now i am yep I, yeah right <laughs> you know oh, it's so good um and it has in my opinion i guess without giving too much away it has some incredible design work in it that yeah. i just was bowled over by i love the design of what the movie is about um yes. i love the design of it and uh think that that is some of just the most like incredible just sort of blockbuster images i've seen yeah. this year uh, is some of that stuff there's really good performances especially um daniel kalua oh boy he's real good yeah. in the movie like he real is so good. expressive and and by doing so little yeah. like he does so little on screen but i mean that as a huge compliment yeah. because he communicates so much by doing so yep. little it's it's really incredible it's there's remarkable like heartbreak there's comedy there's anger yeah. there's like tenderness there's like all of these emotions that you like see just through the way he is like looking at the camera and yep. you're like whoa yep. fuck yep. um and of course uh killer bees uh oh actor was in the movie keith david yes keith david has a, a wonderful little role in the movie yeah. that definitely feels like a, f a filmmaker sort of celebrating one of these sort of like great black actors of their time, yep. you know, uh, by giving them this role. He just gets to like, I don't know, he just looks like at the beginning this proud like cowboy yes. and he looks yes. so great. And yes. I even like you, I think you hear him before you see him. Yes. And I was like, I, I know that voice. Right yep. 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 Always know that voice. Yeah. It's so distinct. Yep. Um, so yeah, I was uh, also very excited yeah. for that reason. I you know, like Kiki Palmer, Stephen Ewan, like the cast oh, is yeah. really good. Really, really good. Yeah. That other kid who I don't think I've seen him in anything Gosh, else. Yeah. He, he was very funny. He familiar to me, but I don't even know why. I couldn't tell if I just thought he looked like, um, who's the guy that's the co-star of Nightcrawler that is also in Venom and a bunch of stuff? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Yeah, why can't I think of his name? I'll find it. Yep. So that we don't, you know, do that thing where we don't say his name. But yeah, um. He looked kind of like that guy, and that was all I could oh, think of. Oh, that's interesting. Movie. I didn't think about that. The, right? Does that, I mean, does that like ring any bells for you that that might be? It's not him. No, no, no. It's not him. But like, did that seem right to you when I said that, that it looks kind of like him? 
don't think that necessarily. Riz Ahmed is who we Riz are thinking Ahmed. of. We yeah. were talking about Riz I didn't, Ahmed. I didn't think so necessarily. Interesting, yeah. But yeah. For some reason, that was what popped into my brain, and then I couldn't get that out of my brain mm. through the movie. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I enjoyed both of those movies. Yeah, um, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, anything else? No, I think that's good. Cool. Um, so yeah, then let's get into our ladies of black exploitation. Yes, please. Um, so first, we're gonna do Carol Speed, yeah. who has 19 acting credits according to IMDb. I could not find a quote from her, but I did find a quote from Abby, mm-hmm. <laughs> the movie in which she this is a has a line from the movie she's in. Okay. Uh, like the facts of life, stupid. All men are not created equal. Better make sure what he's got first. As a matter of fact, I'm going to take old long George upstairs and fuck the shit out of him. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. That is a crazy quote from a pretty crazy movie. Literally the only quote I could find from Carol Speed in any capacity. (laughs) I don't know if what I'm about to say is like a very dumb white guy thing to say, but like, do you think they're referencing the reason they're specifically saying the facts of life is because they're referencing the TV show, The Facts of Life? I don't think so. Okay. But I think they're talking about like... I forget if I think her husband is like a a preacher um, who like maybe does some marriage counseling. And I think that's why they're talking about that. There's like some religious Mm. connotation. Hmm. Hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, I feel like that's the scene where he's like, helping some people and she like walks in and and says some stuff i don't know why i was like assuming that these characters would be like translating life through like sitcoms of the time or whatever yeah i don't think so okay um so carol speed was born march 14th 1945 in bakersfield california uh She holds the distinction of being the first black homecoming queen in Santa Clara County and was one of the first black people to receive a scholarship from the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. Um, She um, got started in the show business as a backup singer for Bobby Gentry at at Harris Club in Reno, Nevada. Hmm. Um, and then her career starts, uh, and I think is mainly um, contained to the 70s. I think there's one film that's an outlier. Um, so for TV, she was on um, episodes of Days of Our Lives and Sanford and Sons. Um, not Facts of Life, though? Not Facts of Life. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Okay. Uh, 1971, uh, she had her first film role in a TV movie called Love, Hate, Love. And then in 72, she was in The Big Bird Cage, which we've talked about before. It is from director Jack Hill, and it stars Pam Greer and Sid Haig. Um, And I feel like this is a movie that I have on my watch list somewhere because I think it is available. Um, Greer and Haig are thieving mercenaries who engineer a prison break from the outside. I really want to see this. I think Jack Hill makes some pretty cool movies. Yeah, they're pretty entertaining. And uh, I think maybe the reason we a little bit avoided this one is because we're not always into the the prison movies of the time and stuff. The prison exploitation is a little tough, but I do want to see this. But Jack Hill is the director of... um Foxy Brown, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So, like, he was definitely, like, one of the big names in, like, exploitation films at the time. Um, the following year, she's in another TV movie called The Girls of Huntington House. Um, and she's in it with Shirley Jones and Sissy Spacek. 
Um, an unmarried teacher in a school for unwed mothers finds herself becoming too emotionally attached to her students and their problems. Okay. Yep. I, I know exactly what kind of movie that is. Yep. Right. You know it's I mean? like yeah. very like lifetimey vibes. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, we were correct about Jack Hill, by the way. Also, oh, cool. Coffee and Spider Baby, and yeah, oh, okay. so oh, yeah, yeah. Lots Spider of, Baby we also loved, and well, Coffee. Yes, yeah, lots of great, great entertaining stuff. movies. Yeah. Um, she is then in a movie called Savage uh, <laughs> with an exclamation point. That's exclamation why you said point. it like that. Love uh, it. From directed Sirio H. Santiago, who also um, directed movies like Vampire Hookers and Naked Vengeance. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, Naked Vengeance, I know because it's a rape revenge that I feel like I've been trying to watch for a while. Mm, okay, okay. Um, and then it also had this great tagline: "He's more than a man; he's a death machine." Oh, okay, that actually does make me want to see that movie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, she is then in the Mac with Richard Pryor. I feel like she has one of like the leading like lady roles in okay. this movie. Um, and I know I've heard of this before. Um, Goldie returns from five years at the state pen and winds up king of the pimping game. Uh, troubles come in the form of two corrupt white cops and a crime lord who wants him to return to the small town ta- to the small time. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, um, I definitely know that title for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's always interesting too because I feel like these black exploitation films, like even when they're like have their issues, there always are these like social issues peppered in. Like there are usually like white people as villains. Yep. I feel like that's something you see very frequently. Yeah, I mean it's an interesting aspect of black exploitation is just the the idea that it is an exploitative genre um, of black culture, but also then within those confines, there are black voices that get to talk about some of the yeah. issues that, that are plaguing their, them, you know, sure. which is, is really interesting. And I think we'll probably talk, like, about some movies that, from these, like, careers, that they definitely, like, address some of those things that are happening, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she's then in a movie called Bummer, which uh, had a tagline, you don't have to assault a groupie, you just have to ask. Oh, my God. I don't like the implication of that at all. A real bummer That's quote. a fucking bummer. That is a fucking bummer. Yeah. Did not like that. No. Um, in 1974, she is in Dynamite Brothers, uh, directed title. by Al Adamson, yeah, um, who was now. an exploitation and horror director at yeah, the time. I know that name. Um, James Hahn was in this movie. Um, oh. So pretty young James Hahn. Um, and it's about a young black man who teams up with a Chinese kung fu expert to fight a drug ring. So, like, has, like, some um, Enter the Dragon vibes, like, just right off the bat. I mean, that sounds great. Listen to the titles of this guy's movies. Okay. Al Adamson. He directed Dracula versus Frankenstein, Carnival Magic, Black Samurai, Satan's Sadists, Blood of Dracula's Castle, Nurse Sherry, Brain of Blood, Horror of the Blood Monsters. Oh, Nurse Sherry, I feel like I want to watch. <laughs> I want to watch all those movies. I mean, those are they all titles. sound great. Nurse Sherry, I feel like, is on my watch list for There are some also reason. these like, incredible, just like colorful like exploitation oh, posters and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I got to get into this guy's work. Um, she is then in a movie called Black Samson about a noble nightclub owner, Samson, who does his best to keep his neighborhood clean of crime and drugs. When a vicious mobster, Johnny Napa, tries to muscle in on Samson's territory, Samson takes a brave stand against Napa and his flunkies. So this sounds good. Also interesting because it sounds like another movie we will talk about that she was in. I'm sure there's a lot of similar like, yes. plot lines. That and seems threads. like a very yeah. sort of typical black exploitation plot line. I would say. Yeah, I think so. Um, 
then she gives in Abby, which we watched for our Austin Stoker episode. Yes. Because um, he was one of the leads. Um, it's directed by William Girdler, who directed The Manitou, Sheba Baby, and The Zebra Killer. All of which we've seen. Yeah. Um, oh, actually, I haven't seen The Zebra Killer. Oh, right. I saw yeah. that one at a different Exhumed event, which yeah. is an interesting movie. Um, and I know we probably talked about some of this stuff, but I just always think it's so interesting because this movie apparently was out of circulation for years after Warner Brothers sued American International, claiming it was a ripoff of the film The Exorcist. Yep. Um, Which th- it's hard to say they would be wrong to claim. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's it's pretty pretty much a ripoff. But like also a lot of these black exploitation movies like were ripoffs of other things. That's just like something they did. Tons of movies cash in on the success of other movies. Yeah. Like you know? it's just yeah, like I know there are other like possession movies around this yeah. time that probably feel similar. Yeah. Like the it's Beyond just, the Door franchise, yeah. as I understand it, is basically exorcist ripoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um so yeah, I mean it would be hard to, would also be hard to say this movie wasn't targeted because it was perhaps a, a black movie. Right? Yeah. Probably. That would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, also, because it was out of circulation for so, for so long, this is a hard movie to see. I yeah. recall when we watched it, we had to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, we found a pretty, like, unfortunately, like, crappy version of the yeah. film. Um, and then, apparently, Girdler never saw a penny from this movie because of the lawsuit, because it wasn't settled until, um, like, shortly before he died Jeez. in 1978. That's really sucks. wild. Yeah. Um, also, this is really sad, but, um, apparently Carol Speed's boyfriend was gunned down and she was robbed right before she got this role. Whoa. Um, so she like brought a lot of like trauma, like into wow. this role, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she apparently landed the part of Abby after the original actress demanded a masseuse uh, for which the film's low budget had no provisions. Oh, my God. Speed's agent recommended her and uh, flew her to Louisiana. Um, uh, Louisville. And, or Louisville, yes. Uh, so very interesting stuff. That but. is very interesting. And I wonder who that actor was that yeah. demanded a masseuse and lost the role. I don't know. That's very interesting. Um, apparently the song that Abby sings in church is your soul a witness was written and performed by Carol Speed. Uh, She is also a singer. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then this is also a movie where they say a lot of like weird haunted stuff happened. Like she said it too. Like it has kind of that, like, um, you know, cursed film. Yeah. Exorcist poltergeist kind of like thing going on. And it said, any time that she was in, uh, like, the dressed up, like, as a demon, the generators would fail oh, on them, which is really course. interesting. Spooky. Um, she did say that during the 70s, there were not a lot of roles for black actresses. So as far as she was concerned, like, Girdler gave her, like, this golden opportunity to perform, which is pretty interesting. Sure, to star in a movie. And it's also, um, you know, as a ripoff of like a bigger horror movie or whatever, it is like a pretty interesting role for a black woman, I think as well. There's like yeah. a lot of different sides to this character that she has to play. Mm-hmm. And she has to obviously give like a transformative physical performance in the same way that you get in the exorcist where she's yeah. got to have all this makeup on and perform as if her body is possessed by someone else. 
Yeah, what she speaks to, she said, Abby gave me the opportunity to play three different characters, an educated Baptist minister wife, a liberated sex-craving woman, and an egotistical demon. Yeah. Um, which is, like, I, she just has, like, a very, you know, even though, like, this movie had a lot of issues and baggage and, like, I think probably ultimately is not considered, like, a great movie. Like, it's right. definitely, like, a cult classic. Um, you know, there are all of these, like, positive things that came out of it for her. Um yeah. She, like, made the the Times Magazine, got, like, interviewed by Los Angeles Evening News. So, Whoa. like, she, like, got, like, a fair amount of recognition after doing this movie. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I understand that this is one of those, like, exploitation movies that I think did, like, pop a little bit or whatever. I think, yeah. like, this was talked about and people saw it. I think it made a pretty decent money. A uh, decent amount of money. A uh, budget was approximately two hundred thousand, and it earned four million in the first yeah. month of release. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like despite the fact that there's all this like you know legal issues yeah. that happened because of it, like it was a People big saw movie. It. Yeah. It probably did. You know, obviously it did something for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, it's really cool, and she is like good in it, uh, and I especially I think the aspect of this movie that is interesting and unique is the sort of like sexual liberation of her character. Yeah. That the that sort of initially the possession sort of takes hold as this kind of like liberated woman sort of thing, which is is kind of interesting. I mean, that's definitely a part of these possession movies, and that's actually something we were talking about Barbara Creed and the Monsters Feminine earlier, and that's definitely one of the archetypes of like the possessed like kind of woman like storyline is that they like become very sexualized because that is something a woman is not supposed to do. So it is like, she is evil because she is sexual. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Pretty interesting. That is interesting. Um, And then her last movie in the seventies is 1979. She was in Disco Godfather, a Rudy Ray Moore film. Um, Apparently Keith David played a club patron. When we watched it, I tried to like look for him, but I did not see him. So I I feel like he was probably just in the background somewhere, Uh uh, which the description on IMDb just says the angel dust hallucinations alone are worth price of admission. And I would agree. I totally agree with that. <laughs> um, this, I think is the first Rudy Ray Moore movie I've seen like all the way through. I've seen um, like pieces of Dolomite, mm-hmm. but I've, I mostly just like know him because I've seen the movie Dolomite is my name, yes. um, which I thought was really great. And like a really interesting like depiction of this like black exploitation um, director and actor who like really did try to make these movies like in and for and with his community, which right. is like very cool. Cause also a lot of these black exploitation movies were directed by like white guys mm-hmm. that were trying to make a buck yeah they're um, hollywood captions yeah. mm-hmm. yep yep yeah no these are are you know for the community by the community basically yeah. because rudy ray moore was interested in giving black audiences what he felt like they weren't getting yeah um, which is really cool yeah i agree um and yeah I, this is wild this is a totally wild movie i really enjoyed it it is full of rudy ray moore standing at a dj booth saying the phrase put your weight on it 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 over and over and over again it's pretty incredible. Uh, that is like a thing that he does in his movie. Like I've seen Dolomite, uh, and he just he just kind of almost like raps in character somewhat frequently. He just like will say rhyming phrases or speak like a preacher when it feels like the character probably shouldn't be talking that way. It's, mm-hmm. it's just like a thing that he does, uh, which is very entertaining and strange. He's he's a man that just makes like very uh, big unique choices constantly. Yeah, uh, there's a, a few scenes that just, like, really made me laugh, and I wish I could remember exactly, and it's probably, like, some of the 
like terrible fight choreography scenes because yes. uh, he does just like randomly like fight some dude in his office and you're like oh wow this should be a moment where it's like really highlighting how good these people are and it's just like really bad yeah, uh, no, which is hilarious nothing about it is actually choreographed the camera yeah. is not working with them they don't seem to have rehearsed it before yeah. they're mostly just it's it's very funny yeah um but like you know it is so interesting because there's like total high camp like there are a lot of these yes. like angel dust hallucination scenes and some of them are really cool some of them are like really fucking horrifying yes. actually um and it is about like this you know drug that is coming into the community um and like really fucking with a lot of the young like mm -hmm. black people in the community and uh, Rudy Ray Moore's character is the, the disco godfather, but like is trying to do something about this. Oh, you find out he's like a former cop. And yeah. so like, he like just comes into the office and is essentially just like, oh, I'm going to like work this case. And they're like, yeah, former cop. Yep. Of course you're going to work this case, which is very funny. It's he, his role in the community is so funny in this movie because it does not seem like he owns the club. He is merely the disco godfather who is like the MC sometimes at the no, club. No, I think it's his club. You think so? Yeah, because there's um, a scene where like a reporter comes to talk about the club oh, and he's a part of that. I guess, I guess. And then he's like helping with some of the choreography of like some of the dancers and things. Right. So I'm like pretty sure he's the okay. owner. But you're right, like it, it, he's not necessarily framed in that light. And yeah. also, I mean, the storytelling with these is always a little off a little where you're not weird, yeah. entirely sure yeah. what's happening or things aren't like totally flushed out. Yeah. Um, it's just like very funny that he is literally known in the community as the disco godfather. Yeah. And what people mean by that is he just takes sort of like command of the disco stage by, by yeah. shouting into the microphone as people dance. Yep, pretty much. Uh, and that's what people know him for. But he's like just this like everybody in the community knows him, including the cops because he used to work with them. And they just sort of allow him to continue doing police work even though he's not currently working yeah. for the police. And uh, Carol Speed, like, it just plays kind of, like, this very cute, like, woman that is clearly, like, friends with him and, like, I think works for him, too. Um, right. And, yeah, like, also helps with some of the crusades that happen after with trying to, like, uh, take down these, like, drug rings that are going on. She has, like, a relatively small role in this, but yeah. it's an interesting role that I think comes up in a lot of these black exploitation movies, which is that she is, like, the... There's almost like, it's not like there's an actual quote unquote like Fox Force 5 in all of these movies, mm -hmm. but there often are these women that are sort of like sidekicks to the titular, you know, black exploitation character, yeah. you know, uh, and whether they are like um, sex workers that they know mm -hmm. or, um, you know, work at like an orphanage is like a thing, you know, there's like, there's all these little roles that women have in these communities in these movies and then they kind of become this network of like sidekicks mm. to the, uh, the, the main protagonist, which is sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like such a weird movie it has like a really kind of like crazy bummer ending, yeah. uh, which I think is just a seventies, uh, film thing. I feel like For we've sure. seen so many movies where the tone is like, so like silly and fun and all of a sudden it's like things are dark and you're like yeah. what okay yeah. yeah the end of this movie is genuinely fucked up yeah it's really fucked up and but like uh there are these like cool creature effects that are really yeah. good yeah. in some of the angel dust scenes like I, I was there's like this demon lady that pops up that like looks awesome i mean when you think about how handmade this movie is mm -hmm. when you look at all the other scenes i mean at least 25 minutes of this movie are just people poorly dancing at the disco yeah. and there's nothing else happening so it's like a handmade movie 
through and through. And so then when you get to those scenes where they are really creatively achieving these like demon characters and the way that they look in the frame mm-hmm. and, and the colors that they do, it's really cool. Yeah. It's very impressive. Yeah. It's cool stuff. Um, but yeah, after that, she doesn't act again until 2006. Wow. Um, and it's the only film she does. It's called Village Vengeance, uh-huh. and it's like a straight-to-video like horror movie. All right. Um, and yeah, and that's it. And I don't know if she was potential. No, because she died later. Um, she actually died this year. Oh. Um, she died at the age of seventy-six um, in January. Okay. Um, so I was like, oh, maybe this was a comeback, and then she passed. But it seems mm. like there was like a little bit of time in between that. Yeah. Um, but sh- it seems like she was like a, a pretty like busy lady. Uh, she was a successful writer. Um, she was the author of books like Inside Black Hollywood and the Georgette Harvey story. So I kind of I love that she went on to like, you know, tell these like kind of historical documentations of like black history, which is great. Hmm. Um and like I mentioned, she's a singer and a songwriter. Um, she sang her own compositions. Um, I Can Make It in The Girls of Huntington House. And then uh, the song she sang in Abbey. Um, and apparently, according to Tarantino, Carol originally helped out in making his film Jackie Brown and was willing to play a small cameo part in the film. However, at the last minute, Tarantino decided not to use her. It's very interesting. Um, I wonder if that means he filmed scenes with her that didn't make it. I feel like that yeah. is a common thing that happens in his movies. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. I do. I mean, is the thing I appreciate about him is that when he makes these kind of like pastiche movies, mm-hmm. like genres that he loved, he does seem to get a lot of input from like the people that yeah. were there um which is is pretty cool yeah it's cool that she was like one of the people he went to yeah. um even you know even though he's like working with pam Greer already he right. like was like getting assistance there right so yeah that is a uh, that is carol speed yeah um, i really enjoyed watching like their the couple of movies of hers that that i got to see there um, you know i i think abby in particular is the thing that she's probably most known yeah. for and the thing that i i i just recognize her face from you know yeah, I feel like she and Murky Bay are both just, like, very cute, and they both have, yeah. like, really distinct, like, screen presences, and yes. so it's also just, like, unfortunate that we don't see them in more, and right. I am assuming also part of those things have to do with, like, racism sure. and how terrible Hollywood was sure. just to be a woman alone, but then to also be, like, a black woman. Um, well, and it's the thing, it's the other thing of black exploitation where it's, like... Uh, on one hand, do you want to condemn the parts of it that are literally exploitation and yeah. just like white Hollywood trying to capitalize on a particular audience? On the other hand, when black exploitation stops being a thing, we these women are gone. Yeah. They, after the seventies, they're gone. They're yeah. not on the screen anymore because those movies are not being made anymore. Yeah. You know. Yeah, um, which I feel like if you watch uh, horror noir, it does a really good job of talking about some of those yeah. like nuances of the different like periods of like black like horror specifically. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. because there's so much like black like horror exploitation movies, yeah. they also talk about those. Um, so I, I just really love their uh, their discussions on people like Carol, like absolutely, and yeah, and they're they're, Pam. <laughs> they're better to say it than I am anyway, yeah. you know. So that is a good For resource sure. to go to go yeah. seek out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I there's so much about that movie that like really gave me like interesting perspective on like black exploitation. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we can talk about Marky Bay, Let's who has it. twelve acting credits, um, so even less than Carol. Um, 
I did find a interesting quote from her. It says, the minute you start to think that you are the one who's carrying the film, you're lost. Hmm. If you don't work in tandem and you consider yourself the star, then you're lost. I have never not worked without thinking of myself as part of the ensemble. Which love is, like, that. Really cool. I love that. Um, she was born March 1st, 1947 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hey, she's a Philly gal. Cool. She's a Philly gal. Um, in 1967, she was working as a singing waitress at the Improv and heard about auditions for Hello, Dolly. That's um, cool. Which is like, yeah, she did some like stage acting before this. Um, and then that was the show where she met and is still married to the love of her life, Dawn. Oh, cool. Um, so they have been married for quite some time. Good for her. That's great. Um, so... For her role start in the 70s, uh, for TV, she had a recurring role on Starsky and Hutch uh, for cool. several episodes, and she was also in Charlie's Angels. Very, very cool. Um, in 1970, she has her first uh, film role in The Landlord um, with Lee Grant and Louis Gossett Jr. I want to see this movie. Um, yeah, Hal Ashby, um, who's the director of Harold and Maude, which I really love, um, makes his directing debut with this acclaimed social satire starring uh, Bew Bridges as a wealthy young man, um, Elgar, who leaves his family's estate in Long Island to pursue love in the Brooklyn ghetto. Yeah, I don't know much about this movie. I just have seen and liked a few Hal Ashby movies. Yeah. And so I'd be very interested to go back and watch his directorial debut. Have you seen Harold and Maude? I've actually not seen Harold and Maude. I have it. It's really good. I, I'm like, I've seen like much stranger Hal Ashby movies. Like that Fair 8 enough. Million Ways to Die movie, I think, is that oh, might be yeah. like his last movie that. that he directed, yeah. I think. Um, in 1972, she was in the film Class of 74, uh, directed by Arthur Marks, who was the oh. director of Friday Foster, uh -huh. JD's Revenge, and The Roommates, okay. which we'll talk about in a little bit. Very cool. Uh, four young modern women in college <laughs> set out to explore all that life has to give with various new relationships and to study the ones they've been exposed to in their past. Okay. Um, Marky Bay definitely dips into the just like sexual movies like yeah, they yeah. i feel like they don't have much more of a plot than like 70s liberated women having sex i was just gonna say is like because that that plot description danced around whether this like you know what i mean i was like this sounds like it's maybe just like a sex movie is this a sex movie it, it's like kind of a sex movie okay yeah, uh, yeah, yeah and i know that because the year later she is in the roommates from the same director uh which very much is also a sex movie, but I'll read the description because this movie is also like really weird. For some reason, I have seen it. Um, <laughs> Heather, Beth, Carla, Bria, and Heather's cousin Paula are five lovely young ladies who decide to spend their summer vacation at Lake Arrowhead. Uh -huh. While at Lake Arrowhead, the women hit the party circuit and get involved with various men in the area. However, things go awry when the girls find themselves the targets of a mysterious murderer. Oh, wait. Do I want to see this movie? It's so weird because, like... 80% of this movie is like a sex movie yeah. and like 20% of this movie is like a slasher. Okay. And so it's just good. totally, totally weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you watched a scene from it and a lot of the film yeah. is like that where it is just these like gorgeous women yep. interacting with men, hooking up, like starting relationships with men. Some of them are really weird. Like one of the storylines, the girl like, has sex with a guy that's like pretty young and this is like his first sexual awakening experience. Mm. Like I actually like, I remember watching it being like, is he 
underage. <laughs> like yeah, it was yeah. like weird that she was spending so much time with him and then they fucked and I was like, oh, oh okay. I oh, guess no. that was your choice yeah. on the island was yeah. to like fuck this young boy. Because yeah, a really lot of them are looking like for mature yeah. dudes and hot like hunks. and Yeah. yeah. I like this implication from the pro- the plot description that Lake Arrowhead has a real party circuit. Yep, a- apparently. I, like, when have you ever gone on vacation and found out that, like, oh, yeah, this resort, like, everybody here is just fucking and sucking and getting together and, like... I mean, it was the 70s. Yeah, I guess, I guess. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, totally strange movie, but yeah. this... I think is like one of the first Marky Bay movies I have ever seen. And she is just like, like fucking gorgeous. Oh yeah. She she is insane looking. She's got these like big, beautiful eyes. Yeah. She just like radiates off the screen. She's so expressive. Yeah. Yeah, She's got these like beautiful, like cheek, high cheekbones. And like you, like she's really good at just like playing sweet and Mm -hmm. like sensual. And like, in that scene in particular from this movie, she's very much someone that like knows she's like the hottest thing in the room yeah, and yeah. is like not afraid to like let people know it. Well, she's got this like confidence that she exudes yeah, where she's very sure. in control of like, you never feel like she's in any kind of like danger because, yep. you know, there's that thing that movies do all the time where like because a woman's being sexual, she's in danger. Yeah. You know what I mean? You never feel like that with her. No, like she has a handle of yeah. the men in the room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I definitely watched this movie because it was like, it's on Amazon prime all the time usually. And reading the description, I was like, Oh, this is a slasher. And then I watched it and was like, okay, this is like a little bit of a slasher, Uh but mostly sex movie Uh like with weird drama and yeah. Strange shit. Um, but then after that, 1974, she is in Sugar Hill, which yeah. has been on my watch list for ages. Yeah, and this was the perfect time for us to watch it. Um, I think we had to find it elsewhere, but I know it was on Shutter for a really long time. Yeah, this is out there. This is like floating around. I don't know if it's like currently sitting anywhere, but it, it's a movie that like circulates around the, the various services. Like you can probably find it if you want to watch it. And this is like her big starring role. I yeah. feel like she and Carol each had like a big starring role and they were both these like horror black exploitation movies, which I think is really interesting too. Yes. Um, so Sugar Hill was directed by Paul Maslansky. This was his only directing credit, but he produced uh, race with the devil, po- the police Academy series and return to Oz. Awesome. Um, so That's a really a good career, weird collection of things. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I love race with the devil. I think return to Oz is one of the great weird movies. Like that, that's some good stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this movie is about like a, it's, it's interesting cause it kind of starts off as like one of these like typical black exploitation movies where it's like owner of a club is being pushed around yep. by these like, um, you know, drug peddlers, like random gangsters, gangsters yeah. um, that are, are run by like a white dude. Yep. Uh, and there's always a white guy at the top of these like more corporate, uh, dealings that you find in these movies. Yep. And, um, you know, Sugar Hill, as as is her name, uh, she this is her boyfriend and he gets murdered by this gang and turns out that like she has a family history of like voodoo priestesses, um, like Orisha goddess, like goddess women. Uh, And she like decides to like not like sell her soul, but she like strikes a deal with one of these gods and in exchange, like, can enact revenge yes. on these people that killed her boyfriend. Yes. Um, and mainly, this guy, like, brings, like, uh, zombies back from the dead to, like, do her bidding. Which, yes. 
the zombies in this movie are really interesting looking. They almost look like aliens a little bit because yeah. they have these like um like kind of like the big bug eyes that like aliens have a lot in well, things. You know what they reminded me of, and I I wonder if um it was like a sp- if Carpenter specifically was referencing this movie. It reminded me of the designs in They Live. Oh, the, interesting. The like alien race in They Live. Well, according, uh, I forget where I got this, uh, yeah. but the zombies in this film more closely resemble the creatures of voodoo legend, mm. um, which is interesting because I don't know like tons about like voodoo legends, but I find it very interesting. And I, I think I do know that there is like some like zombie like esque stories there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the walking dead who do the bidding of the human masters. Um, so like, that's like what they do um, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, flesh-eating zombies who come back from the dead and, like, eat people's brains. These are, like, directed as if they're, like, monsters that are kept by a master or whatever. Yeah, they are, like, controlled um, and do someone's bidding so they're not just, like, the mindless kind of uh, ghouls popularized by George Romero, as the Mm -hmm. quote says here. Um, Yeah, and uh, they're, they're brought to life by this great character who I guess his name is, like, Baron Som- Somdi, Samedi, Somdi. But mm. the way that that is said in the movie is everybody says Baron Zomvi. And yeah, so it sounds like they're zombie. saying zombie. It sounds yep. like Baron Zomvi. Yeah. And he's a great character. Yeah. Um, I also didn't realize this, and maybe they do explicitly say it in the movie, but it says here that the zombies are preserved bodies of slaves brought to the United States from Guinea, which is also pretty interesting. I seem to remember there being a pretty specific conversation. Oh, because they find the slave shackles. Yes. That's like one of the clues that something's going on. Yes, yeah. And so there is a reference to like (laughs) the, the land that we are on now is like built on top of the bodies of these like slaves that mm. that sort of came here on these ships or whatever. There is like a vague sort of implication of yeah. the history of slavery in this place. Yeah. Um uh, apparently not, not even vague. You're right. It's a yeah. shackle. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um this uh, movie came out uh, under American International Pictures, who sure, also yeah. did Blackula and in a uh, Scream Blackula Scream, which we watched for Pam Greer's episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I also don't know if you knew this, but I put this in here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, rapper MF Doom sampled several audio clips from the film under his alias King Kadi- uh, King Ghidorah no on way. the album "Take Me to Your Leader." I did not know that there are Sugar Hill references in that. Okay, this gives me a great reason to go back and re-listen to that album that I love. You bought it for me on vinyl recently. Yeah. This is one of my favorite albums. I'm very excited. It's so good. Okay, awesome. I did not know that he pulled clips from this. Um... Yeah, which I thought was super cool. I, I assumed it was cool. just Godzilla, like, kaiju I, stuff. I honestly so. did, too. Yeah. And I know I've looked it up before, so I must have seen that there are other, like, references in it. But I, I think I mostly thought it was just, like, yeah. Godzilla movie stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, I would love to he- know what audio samples they use. Um because this is like, I think this movie really lets Marky Bay shine. She's oh, she's great. So in this. fucking good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought this was a zombie movie. That's how it's always been sold to me as yeah. like a a sort of black exploitation zombie movie. Yeah. But it is much more of a vengeance picture mm-hmm. than it is like a zombie movie. The zombies are 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 a a tool of the vengeance, basically. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, watching this movie and discovering that it's yet another sort of coffee or Foxy Brown or just another yeah. one of these like. The title of the movie is the name of the lady that Mm -hmm. is the star, and she's here to just fucking kick ass and take names. I was like, this rocks. I think this is so cool. She has a classic, like, whipping a white woman's ass scene. (laughs) She, like, fights that woman in the bar randomly. This movie's also just, like, funny. 
Like this movie yeah. has a lot of like funny performances in it yep. and stuff that like uh, that thing where it's walking a line of like I think I think they know that this stuff is fun. I don't think it's like accidentally funny necessarily, yeah. but it's a little bit like performances that are a little off or whatever and you're like, "Okay, this is funny and we and weird." Yeah. And, yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty yeah, it's very entertaining. I really enjoyed watching I enjoyed this, this movie a quite a bit, yeah. Um and then it's unfortunate to end on this, but uh, <laughs> the last movie uh, is a movie that we saw at X-Fest a couple yep. years ago called Hang Up, a.k.a. Super Dude. Super Dude. Uh, but I think we saw it under the title Hang Up. I, I think. think you're right. Yeah. Uh, but Super Dude is a much better title, but <laughs> yeah, Hang is. Up is probably More tonally accurate. better. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this was directed by William Elliott, who mm-hmm. directed Coffee mm-hmm. and Night of the Lepus, which uh, is one of the movies that gave me nightmares as a kid. Um, oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> I just got lost in my notes. A rookie cop on the undercover narcotic squad falls for the junkie who can help him nab a ruthless pusher slash killer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... This isn't great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for I mean, a lot of reasons. Yeah, I boy, this is one of those things where I think I saw this before I had seen a lot of black exploitation. Yeah, and so I think I maybe thought it was sort of interesting because I didn't really know what I was getting into, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure like what to make of these movies. I didn't have a lot of context for them, you know. Yep. And I I think now <laughs> thinking about that movie with a lot more experience in the genre under my belt. This feels more like the kind of exploitation that feels bad when we talk about exploitation, right? Yeah, I I had a really tough time watching this movie. Yeah. Also, I realized I got this note wrong. So one of the the star of this movie is William Elliott, oh, who was in you. Coffee and Night at the Lapis. I, I was just I was trying to look that up because I was like, no, we just talked about the director of of uh, Coffee. It's uh, it's yeah, it's Jack Hill. Uh, the director is Henry Hay- Hathaway, uh-huh. who was the director of How the West Was Won and True Grit. Okay. Okay. Which is weird. I don't know. It's so weird that like that guy that was doing yes. these like westerns then yes. goes to do this black exploitation, which I find very problematic. Mainly because like Marky Bay is very good in this yeah, because I think she is just a good actress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but as opposed to other films, which really let Marky Bay just like be like charismatic and charming and fucking wonderful, yeah. like she's like super cute at the beginning and then this cop comes into her life and wants to be with her, but finds out that she is addicted to, I don't remember the drug specifically, like it's heroin, heroin or something. It's smack. It's what, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and like, still tries to be with her, but is like terrible to her. And he just like degrades her for being addicted to drugs, which like, granted, it's the 70s. They did not have great views on things like this, but it is so hard to watch things like that knowing what we do now about like drug addiction. The ways that he tries to help her are just like locking her in a house for the day or whatever so that she can't get out and get anything. And just being like, like, don't fucking do this. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. It's really unfortunate the way that she is treated in this movie. Yeah. Um, I think there are some like, whatever, black exploitation thrills to be had along the way in this movie. Like Mm -hmm. it does have some of those classic things in it but the the premise is very tough and and does just feel exploitative it, it yeah. feels like a, a white person's perspective on these things where yeah. where it feels like we're meant to be entertained by like the black trauma that we're watching on screen yeah, right is really it like something up. like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, there's just so many levels of how like uncomfortable I felt uh, yeah. by this movie. Yeah. So uh, it's really unfortunate that this is the last film we talk about. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, things like uh, Sugar Hill and even the roommates, I think, give her a lot more like fun things well, yeah, to I mean, do that the, are great and the enjoyable. two sex movies you described to me, I, I keep referring to them as sex movies because they sound like the kind of movies that were being made in the 70s, which are a little more sex positive, are, are, are not so like just like uh, like punish people for, for having sex. They're yeah. a little more just like these women are coming of age and want to have some fun with the people around them and they just do people yeah. they're swingers man they just like have some sex like, yeah they're just like having fun yeah and everyone's like kind of letting them have fun yeah and, yeah it's not a big deal yeah that's why i kept referring to them as like sex films because they, they they feel like they're a little more yeah. sex positive they don't you know yeah yeah but that is like huge... that also is one of the big factors of the film is it's like yeah it is just about people having sex yeah, like yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not yeah. like it's like porn where you're right. seeing right. like you know, like pornographic films right. where you are seeing like actual sex. Right. Uh, but it is just about sex. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, after that, uh, she did some television. Um, and then after 1979, just like stopped acting. Totally. Good for her. Um, but her and her husband, Don, had some really interesting things that they have worked on. Oh, yeah? Uh, I don't know if this still is true. I feel like I clicked on the website and it doesn't work, but they operated several popular murder mystery cruises. Okay. As well as a stamp collecting cruise uh -huh. because Marky Bay is a stamp collector. Sure. Um, that feels like a very 70s thing, right? To yep. be collecting stamps. And it's for the American Philat philatelic society which sure. i assume is something to do with stamps sure. i don't know um her uh husband also did was like a person that acted in like several episodes of television okay. um and like i said they married in 74 and have just been together this whole time super cool um bay also builds dollhouse miniature interiors <laughs> okay that have been shown in museums in los angeles i love somebody which is like intriguing hobbies yep and i like i'm like i like miniatures yeah. i like many things um as far as her broadway work uh she did hello dolly and as well as a, a play called lost in the stars all right um she does speak to leaving the business like early and like becoming really frustrated, mm. um, especially about like not getting hired because of her light skin tone, mm. which I think is a really interesting distinction. Um, she said, these days I'm too light to be cast as black and I'm too dark to be cast as white. And I'll be darned if I'm going out and buy one of those Afro wigs. When I auditioned for Pearly, they said I was too light. Jeez. Um, which, like, just thinking about that and, like, the politics around that, too, yeah, yeah. where it's, like, very clear that they are looking for, like, a specific, like, black woman look. Because yep. then even, like, people that were, like, too dark-skin-toned, they weren't interested in casting yep. and things. Like, we think of, like, Grace Jones yep. um, and how distinct she looks. Like, there's a very specific skin color. But then Marky Bay is also, like, pretty light. And so that also doesn't work for them. And so it's just, like thinking of how hard it would be to be a black woman trying to find work, especially at that time, you're just like, you just can't fucking win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's really wild. Yeah. Uh, and I like, you know, makes sense to me. Like I totally, I would be frustrated by that too. And oh, I yeah. probably would just be disenchanted by the business and not want to, I would want to do a murder mystery cruise and collect stamps. Sure. Yeah, like I mean, that sounds way more fun. All of these things sound better than a career in Hollywood as yeah. I understand a career in Hollywood to be. Pretty much. Yep. 
Um, but yeah, I, it was hard trying to find like some interviews and stuff with them because they haven't been in much, but I found some interesting stuff on acid pop cults, um, Cal- call on Dolly and William Girdler.com. All right. Um, but yeah, I, I really love them both. They were such great screen presences. I feel like I wish I just saw them in more things because I like seeing them on screen, but I agree, you know, do what you got to do. I feel like I've seen pictures of Marky Bay like in recent years too. And she's still like fucking stunning. Like, yeah, of course. she still looks great. Yeah, I'm she sure she still looks does. amazing. Yeah. Like, you know, just cute lady making miniatures. That's awesome. Just living the life. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, this was really great because I feel like I got to finally like see a couple of big um, black exploitation movies that I had been kind of yep. like waiting to see. Yeah, Disco I'm Godfather and uh, uh, what was Marky's movie we just talked Sugar, about? Sugar Hill, yeah. among them. Yeah. I almost, I almost keep saying Sugar Baby. Oh, I'm like, that's wrong. Baby? Yeah. <laughs> or Sheba Baby. Oh, Sheba Baby. Yep. Yep. <laughs> just like, nope, not Sugar None Baby. None of those things. Also, I think it's a candy, right? Sugar Babies? Something sure. like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I was happy about that too. And I'm also just like so excited when I get to like learn a little bit more about people that I didn't really know that much about. Like I mostly just knew that I had seen both of them and some stuff and they were cool screen presences. And so I was like, yeah, I would want to learn more about them. And this podcast is the perfect vehicle for that. Yeah. 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 This was great. And, uh, you know, it's nice that, uh, Marky Bay is still here with us. Yeah. um, Which is cool. It's cool. Yeah. Well, should we wrap it up? Yeah. Uh, Anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, I'll be on guesting on a couple I've well have been guesting on a couple of podcasts recently. Um, so I was just on Ghoul Friends podcast. We did some femme fatale films, uh, and we did um why am I blanking? My brain is done, isn't it? Daughters of Darkness and Queen of the Damned. So they ended up being both vampire movies, but cool. uh, vampires are the best femme fatales. Um, mm-hmm. And then you can also hear me talk on um, Cat from Here a Scream has a pot- podcast called Thank God It's Friday. Uh, and I get to talk to her about um, Crimes of the Future. I'm just cool. done. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. Um, but I get to talk about one of my favorite Cronenbergs, which was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, you can check those things out. I just covered um, a couple different. I just covered a festival for Movie John North Bend Festival. Saw a lot of great things there. Definitely check them out. Um, yeah, those are my things. Cool. Um, I covered a Killer B movie on Too Fast Too Forever recently. If people want to check that out. Did a movie called No Man's Land with Bill Duke. Uh, Bill Duke was in that movie, so that yep. was why we talked about that here. Um, Too Fast, Too Forever is a fun podcast. Check them out. And uh, you can find me on the internet at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Uh, find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. Um, oh, and you can find our podcast everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. Yeah. It's Killer BS Podcast. Send us an email at gmail.com and uh, yeah. recommend some people we should cover. Yeah. Still only getting Bitcoin like emails. Like, you don't want me Bitcoin. No. We want killer bees recommendations. Yeah, it's real. It's a real bummer. I yeah. hate seeing things about Bitcoin in my inbox. So put something else in our inbox. Yeah, give Tori something to be happy about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's get out of here. Buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs>